Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Thank you, Vince. It's a gift, isn't it, to be able to stop and pass. I hope there's times that, uh, that it's uncomfortable to sit in quiet. I hope that when we stop and pause for He shares it in this way in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. If you have bread, you can eat. In the same way, Jesus took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. This morning, I have orange juice. It doesn't come from the vine. Jesus said, though, he told his disciples at the end before he ascended, he said, I will not, I will not drink of this vine again until I drink it with you. It's awesome to think that we get the privilege of doing the same thing that not only Jesus did with his disciples and the church has done for 2,000 years, but that one day we are going to drink with our Savior in person. Until then, we drink now remembering the sacrifice given. Then Paul says this statement, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord, we thank you so much that you sent your son Jesus, that he gave his life so that we could have eternal life. Thank you that we can, as we participate and drink and eat, we do that very thing. We proclaim Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection, knowing that one day he is going to return. We pray that that return is soon, but we also acknowledge, Lord, that you are a gracious and merciful God desiring that all would come to know you. And we thank you for that. We have loved ones, we have family, we have friends that need Jesus we pray that you would open their eyes, the eyes of their heart, that they would see Jesus and see their need for him. We thank you for the privilege of being able to honor you and glorify you, to lift Jesus up 
as we participated in this way. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Children's Church is dismissed. Today we look at the element of joy in our series of elements. Galatians 5, and 23 read this, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so we look today at joy. Joy is a quality. It's not simply an emotion. Um, thinking about joy and uh, thinking about today, there, later today, there's a wedding. Alyssa Smith is, is getting married today down in Dayton. And the joy of that day, while there are definitely emotions of that day, it is a joyful day. And I thought back to our wedding day and the joy that, uh, that we had um, 20, boy, 22 years ago, over 22 years ago. I got that right. I almost said 21. It only feels like three, like it's gone so fast. But the joy of that day, and while there are definitely emotions, looking back to see the joy that was just filled as our family and friends gathered and were there to celebrate with us, um, I, I often uh, thought, and Lisa and I have talked about this, like everything goes by so fast that you, you in a way you don't get to enjoy it as much as what you want and you wish you could go back and redo it. I don't know that we would want to go back and redo it now, 22 years, but it, it, it was just a day that was a celebration. And I think of some other joy filled days, the day that Lene was born and our first born. And I remember, um, Lisa was, anxious. She was ready to go. And I was there eating my lunch. She couldn't eat. And it was an afternoon C-section because Lene was breech. They tried to move her. She wouldn't move. She wouldn't budge. Let us know a little bit about her personality um, before she even came out. But when, when Lene came out, she was kind of folded in half um, because of the way she was tucked down in there. And I know my face went white because the nurses were like, it's okay, dad, dad, it's okay. Do you need to sit down? And she's okay. She's not broken. And once I figured out that she wasn't broken, it was just this sense like we have, we have, a, we have a kid, like we have a child, like that's my daughter. And then when Marissa was born and then when Zachary was born, those were days that was like, woohoo, when they come out, it's like, Yes, along with fear and all the other emotions that go along with it. It was just a great, you look forward nine months and the mom probably looks forward a lot quicker than the dad does. But when they come, it's like, wow, this is a day of celebration. It's joy filled. When we look at the Bible and what scripture has to tell us about joy, Joy is described in 21 words through di 21 different words in the Old Testament and five different words in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, joy is mentioned 139 times or can be translated 139 times. In the New Testament, 61 times. So your Bible will talk about joy 
over 200 times. So as we look at scripture and we, we see this, it, it, we have to begin to ask the question then, what is joy? How do we define joy? One of the fun resources that I like to use is Webster's Dictionary. Now, it's not the new Webster's Dictionary or even the old Webster Dictionary. It's the one from 1828. So I go back to 1828. What did Webster, how did he define these terms back when our world, world was a little bit different? And Webster in 1828 said this, joy is a delight of the mind from the consideration of the present or assured approaching of a good. And that will fit into what we're going to talk about. It is to consider where we are and also not only where we are today and how we got there, but also thinking about what is to come. The New Bible Dictionary says this, in both Old Testament and New Testament, joy is consistently the mark of both individually of the believer and corporately of the church. It is quality and not simply an emotion grounded upon the God himself and indeed derived from him, which characterizes the Christian life here on this earth. So this is a reminder to us. It helps us to see, again, we can't do joy apart from God. We can't stir it up. We can't go out and try to achieve it more. We get joy from God. It is derived from him. These elements that make up a, a Christ follower come from being grafted and being into the vine. We as Gentiles, Paul says, we've been grafted into the tree. Uh, and and we, the privilege of that is we get to bear fruit. And that fruit comes from the vine, the one who we are abiding in. And apart from abiding in him, we cannot bear fruit. These elements are not going to happen in our lives unless we're in Christ. So joy is not happiness. Am I happy that the Buckeyes won yesterday? Sure. Am I happy that, that Zach ran well in his race yesterday? Sure. Am I happy Lene's home? Oh, you bet. All right. That might be a little joy in there too, but happiness is something that comes and goes. It flees quickly. It's something that, that wells up an emotion that says, oh, this is really fun. This is great. Joy is something that is deeper. It's a result of a deep fellowship with the Lord and with his church. Joy is dynamic. It's not static. So in cross country, we have dynamic stretches and we have static stretches. We do our static stretches after our bodies are already warmed up. Our dynamic stretches are ones to get our body going. It gets us moving. And so as our kids are warming up, they're, they're doing the dynamic stretches. They're, they're, they're doing their movement. All right. I won't show you anything more because my peanut gallery is already laughing. So. The static stretches is when you just stand there and you're like, okay, we're going to touch our toes, which I can't touch my toes. Um, so when you look at happiness, happiness is that can be defined as that static where, okay, here at this moment, this time, whereas joy is a dynamic where it's moving you. Joy is also, it is derived out of love. 
And so I believe there's no mistake as Paul lists the elements here of a Christ follower that love is first and that joy comes out of love. It derives out of love. Next week, we're going to look at peace. And if you think of joy and peace as twins, which I always wanted twins. I wish that would have been so cool. Lisa gets mad at me every time I say that. But God knew that we shouldn't have twins. Maybe we should keep trying. But twins would be really cool, right? Even though they're different and separate, they have similarities. And we're going to look at that next week when we look at peace. Because joy and peace are really twins when you look at them scripturally. And, and, and so when we look at, at the rest of these elements, they are deriving from this element of love that we saw last week. Joy is a gift that can also be interrupted by sin. And I say that because, again, it's not something that, that we do ourselves. What sin does is sin interrupts the flow from, from the veins of the vine. All right, we're the branches. We, we are rooted into, we're grafted into the roots. And so from the root, we are able to pull nourishment. We're able to pull this element this element of joy. And so what sin does is sin puts a block there. And so it's not meaning that it's gone forever. It just means that what we have said, we think it's better our way. When you really look at sin, most of the time that's, that would be easily defined that way. I want to do things my way. And yet joy can't be found in sin. The scriptures do tell us that sin is sweet for a season, but then it leads to destruction. And so while it may feel like, oh, this is good, I'm okay, everything's all right, joy cannot be a part of our lives, a continual element that is an outflowing of who Jesus is in our lives with continual sin. And so I say that not to beat you down, but to encourage you to look at your life. And if there is sin, remember that there is a God who is willing to forgive you and willing to take your admission as a sinner. And as you repent, as you turn from it, as you call it by its name, as 1 John 1, 9 says, confess your sin. He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all all of your unrighteousness. What it does is it allows that fellowship, that vein to be restored back. How is this element found or seen in our life? Well, let me challenge you. Um, let's look at a couple uh, scripture passages just to see that, that joy is in the scripture. You don't have to take my word for it, but let's look at it. Psalm 16, verse 11 says this, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What do we see there? Again, understanding and realizing that joy is found in the presence of God. Uh, Romans 5, 11. Actually, let's look at Philippians 4.4. 4. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice 
in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. There is joy found where? In God. So we rejoice in the Lord. Romans 5.11, more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, whom through we have received reconciliation. What do we see? We see this element of what the New Bible Dictionary told us that derived from God, we have this characteristic, this element that we have received from him. We rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because why? Because we've been reconciled. We've been brought. It's been brought to the table. The court of law has ruled. We were guilty. We deserve punishment. Jesus took that full punishment. We've been reconciled. The relationship has been restored. Full. Complete. The record is clear. We're God's child. It's awesome, isn't it? So when we look at this aspect of joy, we also see here in Romans 5, verses 1 through 5, as Paul describes what, what Jesus has done for us. And so let's read it. Romans 5, 1 through 5, it says, Therefore, since you have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have obtained access by faith into this grace into which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. What is that? We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. What we're going to see here is there's a strong connection with joy and hope. Where there is joy, there is often found the word hope. There's hope in the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, Romans 15, 13 says this, May the God of hope... Fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abide in hope. Romans 14, 17 says this, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, of peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. What we see here is not only is joy an element that God gives us, it is also, at times, it is a choice and it is an action. It goes deeper than just a choice and action, but there are times in our life where it requires faith and hope. It's rooted, as Paul writes to us here in Romans 5, our joy is rooted in what Christ has already done for us. So we get a glimpse by looking back. What do we have today? As, I, as you sit here today, what do you have? You have the opportunity to have joy filled with the joy of God because of what Jesus has done. But that's not alone because we're not alone. We sit here and we have the spirit that indwells in us. 
So not only did Jesus save us in the past, and I can be filled with joy because of what he has done for me, but I sit here today and dwelled with the very presence of God in our very midst is God. But that isn't enough. We also get to glimpse, catch a glimpse of what is to come. And that fills us with joy because we know this earth isn't the end. And so God says, listen, let me give you a little glimpse of what is coming. I just shared that during communion, that we're going to have supper with Jesus. And so while it's rooted in the past, it gives us a glimpse of what the future holds. To be able to look and to see what is to come. That's where hope comes into play. And why hope and joy are intertwined and so critical and important to each other. If you want to look and see why don't I have a joy-filled life. It may be because you've lost hope. You've lost hope in the one who has not only provided salvation for you. But the hope that he is going to return and that we're going to spend eternity with him forever in heaven. Hope is strongly connected to joy. Joy also stems out of trust. Out of trust. Um, Psalm 28 verse 7 says this. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am held. My heart exalts in my song I will give thanks to him so while hope is strongly connected to joy and joy stems out of trust joy does not downplay nor does it minimize hurt or pain or suffering in fact, Paul says in Romans 5 that suffering produces God's work in our life to make us complete, to make us more like him. And so when we talk about joy this morning, it is not downplaying or is to say, you know what? You need to sweep underneath the rug all the hurt, all the sorrow, all the pain that you have or are or will encounter in your life. Just act joyful. That's not what scripture says. In fact, that's detrimental to our well-being and what God desires to do in us. So joy stems out of trust. That trust we see in scripture is found in the presence of our God. For those of you who are struggling with joy and struggling with overcoming the pain the suffering, the hardships, whatever you're going through right now, here's the psalm that I would love for you to memorize and have before you. Psalm 126 says this, those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. To me, that doesn't sound like we should minimize pain, suffering, hardship, the aching of living and trying to function in a sinful world. It sounds like to me the psalmist is saying, listen, pain is real. And just so you know, those tears, they're going towards 
planting something and producing something that you can't do. That's going to come out of you. That's going to come out of the situation. That's going to happen because God is allowing this. He is doing something in you and he's going to pull out something that only he could do. Which requires us to trust. So joy comes from us trusting that he is sovereign. That he has a plan. That he is in total control. So as you walk through your circumstances of this day, of the week that's coming, do your circumstances, do they dictate your emotion? Do your circumstances dictate how you act or how you react? Let me tell you, it's hard, isn't it? Can we be honest? It's hard to live a joy-filled life. It's hard to have this element in a dark and fallen world. It's difficult. That's why at times it is a choice. It is an action. It's dynamic. It is purposefully having to look and to say, okay, there is a bigger picture to this whole thing. When we look at our new self, remember the context of Galatians 5, we're to put off and then we put on and there's this crucifying terminology of we are crucified and our flesh is crucified. We become new in Christ. When we look at that, the new self that we have today is founded in the love of God and in his forgiveness. We display the element of joy even in the days that are challenging and hard. And God's grace is still sufficient even when we don't display that. There are days that it's really hard for me to be joy-filled. I'm sure there's days where it's like, mm, I don't know if that Aaron, if he's a child of God because he don't have that element. That element of joy. Aren't you thankful for a God who's merciful, who's patient with us? who's kind and says, you know what? I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to help you walk through this. And while you may not choose joy in this situation, I'm still here, he says. I'm still right there walking with you. The element of joy can be lived out as we stay in step with the Spirit. The days that are hardest for me are days when I'm not walking close with God. I can, I can tell you, I can go back and I can look like a catalog and I can pull it out. These days were difficult and they were challenging and I didn't have the joy. Why? Because I wasn't close to Jesus. The word tells us what that looks like. Psalm 1, the the beginning of the songs for Israel as they sang helps the nation of Israel to look and to say, what does it mean to be blessed? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is found where? Where is it found? 
not in his circumstances, not in what's going on or how he's being treated or what's being said about him, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates on it day and night. I think one of the reasons why we don't see a lot of Christ followers exhibiting this element is because we don't take delight in the law of the Lord. For often, uh, a lot of us, it's a chore. But God's word and his law isn't to be something that is weighted on us. In fact, we can take delight in it, knowing that there is a God who helps us and wants to help us through each day. I love how verse 3 says, He is like a tree planted on the stream of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. Doesn't that tie into the fruit of the Spirit? How do we do that? We need to be tapped in. How do we be tapped in? Take delight in his word. Psalm 19 verse 7 says this, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. What will revive our soul? Psalm 19, verse 8, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Spend time in the presence of God this week. And the more that you spend time with God and his word, the more you will see this element continue to grow out of you. Joy is possible in every season of our life. Trust, hope, helps us to turn to him, to the Lord, for his strength. That takes the pressure off of us that we have to perform or that we have to muster up enough strength or energy to be able to produce this element of joy. We can't do it. So when we place our trust and our hope in the Lord and in his word, and to know that he knows what is best for us, it may not make sense right now. What you're going through, what you have gone through, what you will go through may not make sense right now. But I promise you, it is necessary to help you have this element of joy in your life. Because why? God makes no mistakes. Does it always have a reason? Does it always make sense to us? God has a reason. We may not see it from our vantage point. When we look at joy, ultimately we see also in this choice, we see the example of our Savior. Hebrews 
12.2 says it this way, looking to Jesus, that's focusing our gaze, our eyes, our heart, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy was seated before him, that was seated before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. How could Jesus look at the sacrifice and the pain and the torment that he was going to go through? How could he look at that with joy? I believe it's because he saw each of us and the opportunity that that sacrifice was going to bring in restoring our fellowship, in storing a relationship with mankind to the perfect God. Jesus, even though he cried tears of anguish to the point of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane, no matter what you go through in your life, God is there and he has a purpose and he has a plan and you can be filled with joy. Peter reminds the early church and if you take context again, first Peter, first and second Peter are written to the Jews before there is going to be this great persecution. It's setting the stage for what's to come that they're going to be highly persecuted. And in fact, when you look at all of Israel in, the, in Scripture, and when Paul was even writing in, in Romans, and he writes to, to, to the church and to Israel, when you think of Israel, they're the minority who continues to be enslaved and tormented and punished. Some of it was their own doing, but it was agonizing. And here Peter is going to write in 1 Peter to a group that is going to be tortured, a group that is going to be persecuted. And he writes this in 1 Peter 1.8. Though you have not seen him, Jesus, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. We have the opportunity to have a perspective that the rest of the world can't understand. That's because we have a savior who endured the cross, who gives us hope and allows us to place our trust that in return fills us with a joy that is dynamic, that is unexplainable. Apart from Jesus. So, what is your faith rooted in? What does your future hold? I find that if I can keep my eyes on what's to come, that I know is going to happen, because not because of what Aaron does, but because of what God has said, it's hard at times because I don't know God's timing. Are we in the end days? Sure we are. Is Jesus coming? Sure he is. God, can you tell me when so I can have a little bit more, you know, faith, a little bit more trust, a little bit more joy? He says, no. 
Our joy is made complete when we walk with Jesus each day. It's not a one-time thing. I love some of the old hymns that talk about joy. Joy to the world. We sing at Christmas, right? Joy came through Jesus. There is joy in serving Jesus. Why? Because he is a great master, isn't he? (laughs) Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. Let me read to you a couple stanzas as we close. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee. Praising thee, their sun above. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness. Drive the dark of doubt away. Giver of immortal gladness. Fill us with the light of day. All thy works with joy surround thee. Earth and heaven reflect thy rays. Stars and angels sing around thee. Center of unbroken praise. Field and forest, vale and mountain, blooming meadow, flashing sea, chanting bird and flowery mountain, call us to rejoice in thee. Thou art giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed, wellspring of the joy of living, ocean depth of happy rest. Thou, our Father, Christ, our brother, all who live in love are thine. Teach us how to love each other. Lift us to the joy divine. Mortals join the mighty chorus, which the morning stars began. Father, love is reigning over us. Brother, love binds man to man. Ever singing, march we onward. Victors in the midst of strife. Joyful music lifts us sunward in the triumph. Song of life. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. I hope and pray that you have that relationship with Jesus. And that you can sing that. As Christ followers, this element of joy will continue to shine through us. Some days more of a challenge than others. Again, in God's mercy, his grace and patience. But open up the vein. So that God can pour in us and allow this element to be shown. An element that the rest of the world can exhibit like we can because of Jesus. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that we have the awesome opportunity to remember what we were freed from. And we get to embrace what we're freed for. A relationship with you for all of eternity. We get to display your goodness. Thank you that you've not left us here on this earth alone to do that. You've given us your word. Your spirit lives inside of us. And you've given us the church, brothers and sisters, who continue as one, 
striving to seek your face. So as we go throughout our week this week, Lord, may your grace and mercy abound in us. Your patience as we often turn to ourselves and our circumstances for something that will never produce what only you can. Joy. Fill us with your joy, Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus, all of God's people said.